0: Welcome to Crosspoint. Crosspoint, 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 Crosspoint. An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. In
1: ancient times on the plains of Shinar, evil was born Nimrod, the Tower of Babel. Well, today here on Crosspoint, we're going to see how this attitude is still present. Upon the earth today. Welcome to Crosspoint, and I'm Mark Taylor, and along with me is my guest, Dr. Michael Lake. He's a Bible teacher and best selling author of the book that we're going to be talking about today, The Shinar Directive. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael Lake, for joining us today here on Crosspoint. Kind of an interesting titled, The Shinar Directive Preparing the Way for the Son of Perdition. And you know, when you look at the, at the book, and you know, and all the things happening in our world, we've got to believe that. Uh, how this is all kind of coming to a, a head. And, you know, in the introduction of the book, you kind of start there with the journey down the rabbit hole, but you say at the bottom of the page, we're living in a neo-pagan world that is completely controlled by the occult, and the church is oblivious to this reality. Uh, I would have to agree with you on that.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that precipitated the book, you know, when uh, we had the occult come after our family. Uh, back in the 90s. I'm ex-military as well as a theologian, so I'm you know, really one to kick in and, and understand the doctrine of warfare of the enemy. And when I began taking it apart and realizing what was going on, I found out that uh, the, the body of Christ has purposely been kept in the dark so that we can't properly respond to what's going on in the world.
1: Well, ev- evidently, we've we've got a lot of people out there that do not know. You know, I scratch my head because I see a lot of it here. Uh, but you said it's, t- you know, even in the, in the on the back part of side of the book, you say it's time for the rem- remnant to wake up and to discern the times and be infused with heaven's power to withstand what you're calling the Shinar Directive. So why don't you tell us what the Shinar Directive is so people can understand that? It,
2: it all goes back to Nimrod. In fact, Nimrod, we find mentioned several times in the Bible, not only in Genesis, but he's referred to the one that was, is not, and yet is to come, because I believe that but he's going to return as the son of perdition or the Antichrist. And the Luciferian elite have been laboring uh, ever since the Tower of Babel to prepare the way for his return. And, you know, I've, I've had the privilege over the years of talking with people like uh, Doc Marquis and others that came out of the Illuminati. And uh, Doc was very, uh, very specific. He said, listen, they, for him to be revealed back on the stage, they have got to do certain things in the earth to prepare the stage. And, and until that's done, he cannot be revealed. And so all the crazy stuff that we're seeing on the news, and, and, and they're, they're, just, they're literally trying to dismantle uh, everything that Christianity has done in the last 2,000 years around the world. And all of that is to prepare for the return of the old gods and, and the son of perdition. And these people are dead serious about it. They will, they will mass their fortunes and pass it from generation to generation uh, to get the job done.
1: Chapter one, you kind of do a brief introduction. You're talking about the reality of the conspiratorial history. You say, I spent most of my life with a general disinterest in human history. I believe a large number of Americans fit into that category as well. Then down a few lines down, you say, only the present matters mindsets have been thrust into our society from every quarter. These cultural binders uh, established a fuel for the economy to find the elite and cultivate the intellectual bondage. The enemy of our soul is limited concerning what he can use in his spiritual warfare against mankind. Since he has a limited bag of tricks, he needs to keep us in the dark regarding our real history. So what you're saying, through the deception and stuff of the enemy, the devil is really keeping kind of the Christians off balance so they don't realize who they are?
2: I think not only realize who they are, But to also not recognize what he's doing because it's it's simply the same thing over and over again. He may rebrand it, uh, come up with maybe more of a catchier, uh, you know, catchphrase to uh, market it, if you will, to humanity. But it's usually the same lies over and over and over again. And you know, if if you don't, there's there's an old axiom that says those that don't learn from history are guilty to repeat it. And uh, I think that's exactly what we're seeing happening around the world, is because we have lost touch with what happened in the ancient world, as well as this thread that goes all throughout history. Uh, we, we have literally set ourselves up for deception.
1: Okay, so you, when you just said, we've lost, you know, grips with the ancient world, tell us why that is so important to know about the ancient world.
2: There's a, there's a scripture the prophets say that God told us the end from the beginning, and that is especially true with, with the book of Genesis, and Jesus referred to it, too. He said, as in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it be when, when, when I come back. And the days of Noah was, was a time of, of empires. It was a time that we, have, we see in Genesis 6 that the ben Elohim, the sons of God, came down and, and uh, mated with women and their children, basically, back then were ruling the world. And uh, in, in fact, one of the things that I have found in talking with Steve Quayle and others is that uh, every every major nation today is almost in a Indiana Jones archaeological hunt for for antediluvian technology, because what they're discovering is actually more advanced than what we have today. And so when, when God did the flood, he he, not, he destroyed a lot of their technology as well as what they were doing to humankind. And, you know, and, you know, most of the body of Christ, they, they have believed a lie called the Sethian theory, which dates back to Julius Africanus back in the 6th century AD, that said that, you know, the sons of Seth were good guys, they married bad women, and this produced the giants instead of actually what the text actually reads. And uh, a lot of the, the uh, church, they didn't even believe in the supernatural nature of what we see in the book of Genesis and, and Genesis 6. But at its very core is what we're seeing with the transhuman movement today. So it's the same lie from a scientific point of view being trying to be redone today.
1: Okay, I'm looking at page 35 of the book. It says, Lucifer had create quite the canopy over a life embracing such as lies. And this is just part of the fulfillment of the great falling away. This has been a problem in the church for years because most people believe that once they're saved, the enemy can't gain access to them. Uh, a wounded heart, pride, confessed sin, and most other issues can open the door, though, to the enemy. Uh, you're you're right there. I've talked to people before that you know, because they're saved, they don't think in any way that the enemy can touch them. But that's not true, is it?
2: No, it's not. I mean, Peter was emphatic. Paul was emphatic when we we were, we're given words like "be vigilant," "be sober," because the enemy is as a warring, lying, seeking whom he may devour. And we we have these these the uh, Warnings by the apostolic in, in apostolic scriptures over and over again, and yet if in our hubris uh, we think that we can't be touched, and you know what I see going on because I remember you know, there's you know uh, Christians can't be can't be touched by demonic forces, uh, you know we absolutely have the victory. The enemy you know can't make us sick, whatever. And those people's lives were falling apart, and so their theology were, was not matching what was going on in real life.
1: You know, I don't know, it's kind of off a little bit here, but something I haven't seen the other day, you know, you talk about Nimrod, and of course we know that's back the time of the, around the ba- Tower of Babel and what happened there, and the confused language how they were trying to build this giant tower to go to heaven. Have you seen the design for Amazon's headquarters, new headquarters? It's built like the Tower of Babel. And I'm just shocked when I'm sitting there looking at that. I'm like, "Well, do they know what they're building?" Uh, I would guess maybe in a way they do.
2: <laughs> they probably do. In fact, the uh, of course, you know, in my research, I found out the tower was more more or less a ziggurat. But the, the from the medieval times, they they did this kind of half half mantle tower. That even the EU's Parliament is designed after that same that same type of structure.
1: Yeah. So it is true that some of the things we see today or experience today are actually from many, many, many years back of things that's happened that's still actually with us today. Uh, they may show up in a different form some way, but those things are still attached into society.
2: They are in, in you know, the the lie of Genesis six is is that they were you know, they were given forbidden knowledge, they were given advanced science. Uh, as well as this, this hybridization going on. And now we're being told by science through transhumanism that if we do not achieve hybridization, the human race will not survive. And so it, it's it's simply the, the twisting and the same lies, and now they're going through it through more maybe of a, of a technological point of view. Although some of the research that I've done, uh, in fact, uh, after writing this book, uh, I had uh, one of my students at Biblical Life College and Seminary was in the military, uh, special Forces, and uh, he had actually called me sitting up from uh, sitting on Saddam Hussein's throne after they got Baghdad, and he told me about uh, the first thing they did is they brought in a archaeological team because there was a ziggurat in Baghdad with the with the remains of Gilgamesh that we know was a Nephilim, and so there has been a worldwide manhunt for Nephilim DNA to try to integrate that into the transhumanist movement to augment humanity.
1: Yeah. Now, would you say this, what they call AI, the artificial intelligence, this is a big part of what you're talking about, of of, of what we're headed for?
2: I do believe so. I think AI is going to be a part of, uh, you know, when I view the mark of the beast, I don't think it's a, you know, barcode on your hand or your right hand or your forehead. I think it's an entire system. And I think AI is going to be part of the operating system of, of how that entire network will work. Yeah, and you were, we're already seeing today. You know, if you try to search something on the internet, you don't realize that AI is already beginning to work in the background to change your perception. Because maybe, you know, if you if you're a let's say this let's say religion aside, you're a very conservative individual, you're looking for information, it's obscured on the internet. Because AI is working in the background and it will continually point you over to whatever liberal trend that it has been a uh, program to point everybody toward. Uh, in fact, uh, I've had colleagues that realized they were getting into arguments on Facebook or whatever, and there wasn't even a human, it was an AI that was programmed to discredit what they were saying. That's now, just the tip of the iceberg.
1: In the Chapter 3 uh, of the book here, uh, you at the bottom of the page here you say, uh, what God can say in one sentence can become a lifetime of study for any serious student of the Bible. The perfect example of the power in one sentence from God is when Jesus simply uh, stated in Matthew 24:37 but as in the days of Noah where there shall there be the coming of the Son of Man can be and then over on the page it says Jesus was speaking of the last days in the verse that preceded this statement and then you say we find but of that day the hour, Uh, Day and hour knoweth no man, nor the angels in heaven, but only the Father. There is a lot, in other words, that ties to the days of Noah to now. Is that right?
2: Oh, it does. The days of Noah, in fact, uh, Dr. Chuck Messler and others have written extensively even the names of the people. With the, the the Bible characters that you see, their names can be translated, you know, we're having a horrible time, this this is a time of dread, a time of, of misery because of what was going on at, in, in that day. Um, we can look to uh, the writings from uh, those in Sumer and many others, because I, I think what the Bible was doing, and, and there have been many theologians that have uh, commented the same on this, is that. When, when Moses was writing Genesis 6, it was, he was centering in on the effects of what sin had done, but as, as far as what the, the watchers had done, because all the, uh, it's like all the gods of Egypt where they just got delivered out of were the sons of the watchers. And so those people were very well of the rest of the story, and he was centering in on this solely that when, these, when, these, when the angels brought the technology, the forbidden knowledge, and all that they were doing, it absolutely corrupted man beyond belief. You know, all you got to do is turn on the television today to see that corruption permeating everything in our society today.
1: I know that, you know, you've written this book, but you've done other books as well. You're a Bible teacher. So if somebody would want to know more about the Shinar Directive or any of your work, or maybe even be able to go to a a chat page and and ask questions, how do they do that?
2: Our our main hub for communication and letting everybody know what's going on is KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com. Uh, we have all my books there, the courses that I have done. Uh, my wife and I do a, a weekly podcast together, as well as we have Biblical Life TV, which is now we've kind of set it down to a 30-minute program because it's also being set up for television. And I'm teaching through the book of First John verse by verse right now.
1: All right. All right. So uh, your book is available at that site. Is there any other place, Amazon or any of that, that they can find the book at?
2: Oh, yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart, uh, through Defender Publishing. It's, It's available all over.
1: All right. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to be back with more of Dr. Michael Lake right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. And today here with me I have Dr. Michael Lake, Bible teacher, best-selling author. The book we're talking about is the Shinar Directive. Now, Dr. Lake, the Plains of Shinar, I've heard different things, you know, you read in the Bible and stuff. So kind of tell our audience, what is Shinar? Where is Shinar in, you know, the ancient times and the, and the present times? What is what is the Shinar, I mean, the area?
2: The Plains of Shinar was, was of course, in the Middle East near the Fertile Crescent. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, many of us have debated is, you know, if you're going to try to reach into heaven, let's say that you can get to a certain height, uh, you wouldn't build on a plane, would you? You would, you would build on on the top of a mountain. But one of the things that I, that uh, I postulate in the book is that when Nimrod became a gibbering, there was and when you look at the Hebrew, there was something he corrupted himself. He he was able to transmute himself from a human to uh, a gibberim which in, in the bible that's the only the second time that word is used the first one is this connected to nephilim and so it's it's a kind of a nephilim hybrid he became and many of us have wondered if he was not able to see what we call dimensional portals that was possibly sitting in the, in the plains of shinar so that when he built that ziggurat there it, it could serve as as an entrance into a portal that could go into the third heaven
1: yeah okay so on page 10 10- 9 of the book, it's you've got it in a place there it's called An Uncompleted Occult Work. And there you say the Tower of Babel stands in the sands of time as both a prophetic and occult lightning rod. God chose to include the story of this tower within holy wit because it will add to our understanding of the final days before Jesus returned. You say, when God confused the tower builder's language and stopped the progress of the tower's construction, it also served as an incomplete aspiration of the divisions within the occult world that demanded the completion of the original work. So you're saying what's happening is they're trying to finish this uncompleted work that God put a stop to. They're trying to finish it.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and there's a, besides it, because if you, if you look at an unfinished pyramid, it also takes on the form of what's called a trapezoid and if you ever get any in every masonic lodge their altar is in the shape of a trapezoid at the united nations they have a meditation room that the the room itself is in the shape of a trapezoid because it, it represents the uncompleted work of nimrod as well as their endeavors to complete what he began at the tower of babel and so this this thing has always been a war against god uh, even when the Bible talks about how Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, that's really an inadequate an uh, expression of what's in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it literally says that he got in the face of God and hunted men and drew them away from God. Now, and that is the very spirit of Babylon today.
1: Now, is not some of this show up in other places like uh, maybe on our money uh, and other Things maybe in Washington D.C. and stuff that relate to this. What you're talking about?
2: Well, yeah, the, the
1: unfinished pyramid
2: on the back of the one dollar bill, and that eye does not represent the eye of God. It represents the eye of Lucifer, and it's it's calling for the the establishment of a new world order. In fact, Dr. Tom Horn and his research found out that that uh, that Latin around that pyramid is actually a quote from a ancient uh, uh, Apollyon prophetess, this Kumain Sibyl, that's talking about the return of Apollo. And, of course, you know, Apollo was also, you can go back, Apollo was identified as Nimrod. And so when you, when you look at that, you have the unfinished pyramid, and the new world order, the one that they're looking for, the one they're striving to bring about, will bring back the son of perdition to rule the world.
1: Chapter 6 of the book, The Unfinished Work of Nimrod. You say down there, one of the foundational elements of the establishment, as well as the um, continuation of Babylon was communion with dark spirits, whether these spirits were fallen angels or chief demonic entities. In this chapter, you'll find to find these spirits and examine their fellowship with the elite, with they empower all their endeavors with dark satanic energies. Now, <clears throat> what you're speaking of to, he, to me here could be what we're hearing about the global reset, the Great Reset and stuff that people are working, uh, it, would that be tied to kind of what we're talking about today?
2: It is. I think it's an expression of it. That, that's an expression of technocracy, which is taking over and doing now what communism could never do. And it, it's a scientific dictatorship. And, you know, it, it, it all goes back to this. In fact, in the, in the very earliest of what we would call the formation of the modern sciences, you have John Dee that was... Uh, that was commuting with, a, with an, an entity that was giving him special revelation. And you have many others, Sir Francis Bacon and others, uh, that were in the formation of what we call modern science, but every single one of them were an occultist. And so there has always been this blending of science and occult uh, from the very beginning. Uh, and when you, when you look at technocracy, because that's what's behind the Great Reset, and this is not necessarily in the book, but they hate Christianity. They want to, want to eliminate anything of Christianity, and they, they literally view man as nothing more than a cog in the machine, or as maybe Nimrod would say, a brick in the tower. And they're trying to reduce us to that. They're trying to remove any individuality so that, you know, they're, they're unisex. We, we, we can't even define what man and woman is anymore, and this is not by accident. It's all a part of a scientific psychological plan to prepare us to be a part of the Babylonian system when, it, when it's set back in place, and that's what that Great Reset is.
1: Well, you talk about the Babylonian system. I'm looking on page 164 or 165. Something interesting here, you talk about a student of the Bible is familiar with Gog and Magog. These names refer to both the Old Testament and in the Book of Revelation. However, most Bible students are not familiar with the fact that Gog and Magog are connected to a city within London, And then go ahead and tell us a little bit about this, because I don't imagine most people know anything about it.
2: Yeah, Imagine a city in Great Britain that is so powerful and so elite, uh, the mayor of that city outranks the now king of England, that if the king or queen of England would ask to visit the city, when they come in, they're escorted by the mayor and they have to walk about 10 paces behind that mayor. Uh, You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, it's like, you know, would the president have to walk behind somebody if he was visiting somebody in Boston? There's something there. Of course, that's controlled by the Rothschilds. It's a city district. It has its own army. Uh, And it has two mascots that once a year uh, in November that they uh, they do this great parade. And the great parade represents two giants, Gog and Magog or Nephilim, that are the uh, patrons of that city. And so the very the very foundation of the financial world is based upon occultism and their connection uh, to the children of the Watchers in Genesis 6.
1: And in there, you know, you've got pictures of that parade as well, of what goes on there. But, I mean, at first, I guess I may have ever heard about it. And I'm sure a lot of people don't hear a lot about anything connected to those areas, do they? They just... Well, I don't know. They just never look into it. They don't seem to be concerned with what goes on. They just read a Bible story and say, oh, that was a good story. But a lot of these stories go a lot deeper, and they weren't for just back then, but they're for today as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. The Bible says they were given for our example. Not only, and you know, we we learn from the mistakes of the people that were trying to walk with God and made mistakes. We learn from what they did right. But we also learn how the enemy operates that's why the Apostle Paul says we I, I would not have you be ignorant of his devices why because they're all laid out in in the Old Testament that he could point to and this this is this is how these things work and and this is how they move through history and they tempt men and you know it, it's all about power uh, it's about power over money power over people power over resources and uh, they they look to demonic forces to to help them achieve their goals
1: now you talk in here about different organizations that's out there we've heard of freemasonry but then you got the skull and bones round tables centralized banking cartel that makes a little sense news media makes a lot of sense and entertainment industry Uh, but you're saying everything they're doing on our planet is controlled
2: oh it is it's it's a network and you know you'd be surprised how either it leads back to freemasonry it can lead back to the trilateral commission uh, which was established by Rockefeller, which is one of the 13 Illuminati uh, bloodlines. Every every single one of these organizations, in fact, in America, we can see a lot of it with a skull and crossbones. But one of their principles were, when a new organization was going to be started, that its first president had to be a skull and crossbones member, because then it would set its spiritual tone that would last the rest of its lifetime. And you can see that with the American Psychiatric Association, American Historical Association, and I mean just organization after organization after organization, all had original founding members that were skull and crossbone. And they did, and that's kind of replicated around the world. You have that network, you have all these roundtables that Cecil Rhodes set up, uh, that uh, the Bilderbergers, the um, Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, and they have their counterparts in different nations around the world all think tanks to bring about uh, their vision of what the world is supposed to be.
1: And most of our leaders, former presidents, many of them, have been tied to these very people, correct?
2: Correct. And, you know, if if you just just research the Trilateral Commission just by itself, and you would be blown away, I think, that the Trilateral Commission has a major hand in what we're calling the deep state today because they have their people embedded in all levels of government and the intelligence community.
1: (laughs) Chapter Nine: The Unfinished Work of Nimrod. Uh, You make uh, we talk about a quote here by Paul um, Henry. Spake Uh, he's the first president of the United Nations, and here's here's what he said: We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the alliance of all the people and to lift up uh, out of the economic. Morass into which we are sinking. Send send us a man, and whether he be God or devil, we will receive him. And that was our first president, of the United Nations.
2: And did you know when Rockefeller built the United Nations? You know what was on that site before it? Then, no. It was the largest slaughterhouse in all of the Northeast. So that ground was permeated with blood from all the, the all the cattle and all the things that they had. Uh, that they had butchered there because it was it was a meat packing place, just a perfect ground for what they were doing. And the, the in fact, when you look at um, uh, the language in the Middle Ages, let's say if you would have a play and and Satan was being introduced as you know being introduced in that play, he was called the Great Un UN. Very and so the the UN the UN itself is a is a uh, Luciferian organization. In fact, uh, I've also discovered that one of the things you'll run into when you start studying this is someone named Helena Blavatsky. And, you know, when you, when you get her writings, what you don't realize is what, whatever you can buy at Barnes & Noble or whatever are heavily redacted. That all this information that she was channeling from these ancient spirits, that uh, she called them the Ascended Master of the Great White Council, the only ones that are allowed to see her unredacted works are members of the UN and the members of the the elite families around the world.
1: Well, very interesting. Now, again, for people, the Shinar Directive and other work that you've done as well, the work with your podcast, uh, television work and all that, again, tell people how they can find out more about those things.
2: Yeah, kingdomintelligencebriefing.com is our main site, and if that's a little bit too long to remember, just type in drmichaellake.com and it will take you to the same site. All, of, all the news any new briefings that we have all of that is always posted at that site you can sign up right online there so that you'll get an email anytime that we post anything new.
1: okay the, the books are available uh, Barnes and Noble Amazon all those kind of places as well. Yes sir they are okay well folks stay with us we're going to be back and talk more about the shine art directive preparing the way for the Sun of Perdition with Dr. Michael Lake right after this
0: your future begins today. Your new second chance just arrived. Welcome to Fresh Grace. Welcome to New Hope. 91.7 The Word. Radio that impacts your future.
1: Welcome back to Point. I'm Mark Taylor. And today we're talking with Dr. Michael Lake about the Shinar Directive. I'm looking, Dr. Lake. Page two seventy eight of the book two seventy nine. That's where I'm going to be here for a few minutes. It says here on two seventy eight, the days of casual weekend Christianity are over. The only thing that casual Christianity will produce in your life is an absolute deception. And God's promise to those who become skillful in the knowledge of God, and who perceive and discern God's voice and actions, will become strong and accomplish great exploits. As the tide of the Antichrist rises around the world the remnant is going to be strengthened, become courageous and bold and grow firm and resolute and will prevail. There is hope because you can read a lot of this stuff and, you know, it can get to you and you're like, well, what's a person to do? But here you're given a little encouragement. Oh, yeah, we've, we've got to,
2: you know, the, the whole concept of God sharing the end from the beginning is also found in the book of Acts. Now, when we read the, the book of Acts, wouldn't you, I mean, when you look at that, you say this church was on fire. That, no matter what they tried to do to stop them, they continued to grow. But I don't think we we, we stopped to realize what was really going on, that you had a, a Roman empire that was ruling the world at that time was that was the expression in that day of the mystery religions. and they ruled with an iron fist that you know that's you know if they if you were doing things that uh, messed up their agenda, they crucified you. They, they, would, they would cut off your head. And at the same time, with the early church, you also had many of the, uh, within the Jewish nation, uh, was also fighting against Christianity, so no matter where they went, they had opposition on every side. And brother, the church thrived. There were times, we, we read in, in, in Acts, you know, the, when the Apostle Paul shows up, they go, oh no, the people that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Yeah, I think we're getting ready to head back to those days, but we, we have got to quit this. Uh, church isn't supposed to be a warm fuzzy for you. It's supposed to challenge you. The first thing it's got to do, it's got to convict you of sin. It's got to bring you to the cross. You, you've, got to have, you've got to find salvation in Jesus. And then it begins challenging you to to drive out Babylon out of your life and begin establishing the kingdom of God within. whether we're dealing with the Greek word ekklesia, or the Hebrew word gahal, which we translate the church or the assembly. It's those that have been called out of Babylon now have been assembled for something else. And that is who we are. We, the, the church is not about entertainment, it's about empowerment. It's about teaching you how to begin structuring your life so that you're walking in the ways of God, so that you begin to bulletproof your life and begin cutting off the access of the enemy to your life. And you get to the place where you grow to such a point, not only do you cut off the access, but you begin being like Jesus, going about and doing good and destroying the works of the devil everywhere you go. That's the call of every single believer.
1: Now, you talk also about reawakening uh, the church, <clears throat> and again, when we look out in the world today, we we see what people consider the church is sometimes pretty weak. But you're talking about the real church, the tr- church.
2: Yeah, the, well, you know, sometimes I refer to them as the remnant. Remnant. Correct. That you know they're they God's special forces, and we're the we're to be the example to the rest of them that this is what dynamic biblical Christianity is. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't necessarily draw a crowd, but what it does is it transforms lives. And uh, in fact, uh, Paul McGuire in one of his books was talking about how when they were formatting the new mega church model at Wheaton College, brother, they brought in New Age gurus and marketers to teach them how to build churches instead of bringing in theologians and teaching the Word of God. And so it is time to return back to the book. And we've got to look in the mirror and say, how close am I to Jesus? Not only how close am I to Jesus, how close am I living like Jesus? And if we'll ask those two questions to be really uh, really honest with ourselves, we're going to start seeing some transformation in our lives. Because I I think it's time for us to get real blunt, real honest with believers. The atmosphere that's going on in the church today, brother— most of them don't want to even want to hear what I wrote in the Shiner Directive. They don't want to hear about end-time prophecy. Yeah. It's about the best life now. You know, it's that, that now mentality. Yeah. And I had a mentor years ago that said, listen, brother. He said, if you're saved, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. You only have heaven after this. But if you're lost this is as good as it gets. This is your heaven because you only have hell afterward. So I'm not looking just for the best life now. I'm looking for the life that's most effective for the kingdom of God because when I'm done with this life, it's all uphill from there.
1: Now, you say here, page 293, when we sin and do not immediately run to Jesus to confess and be cleansed, it brings the part of our life out from under the sanctifying cover of His blood. This area can become the enemy's access pointed to our lives. Dear Saint of God, don't ever allow that to happen. When you stumble, run immediately to Jesus, and close the door to the enemy of our soul. You know, this right here is something that is not ever talked about a lot in the church is a being under the blood of Christ, because that blood is actually what covers us, and the enemy cannot cross that.
2: No, he can't, but he sure can. He can hit your head if you stick your head up out of out of, out of it. Yeah, and that's that's what we have forgotten. Uh, you know, in First John, you know that we have that. You know, if we say that we sin, that we fooled ourselves. We're you know we're a liar. But you know, if we do sin, we run to Jesus because he he considers it a righteous thing to forgive us and to bring us back into fellowship. Sin absolutely destroys, and the the church has lost that truth. It's, it's not that grace allows you to get away with it. Grace empowers you not to yield to it.
1: You talk a lot about preparing, well, towards the end here, the, preparing the remnant. The remnant, this is what you're talking about. Those that really believe, those that are truly followers of Christ, they are going to have authority and power uh, to combat what you're talking about. Uh, you know, it's still not going to overtake them, is it?
2: No, it's not. Uh, you know, God always has a remnant, and I believe that He is waking up men and women from around the world that are saying, "Listen, I need more than what I'm getting now at church." You know, that's one of the things that we constantly hear from our website when people listen to the podcasts and and our, our television program. They say, "Listen, I love my pastor to death, but I'm starving." You know, I, I yeah. love him, but I'm starving to death because they're they're not being taught the Word of God in the depth that it should be taught. And I believe that we're going to start seeing a turning point in, in the days ahead that people are going to begin demanding that if, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to support this ministry, I don't care how much you step on my toes as long as you tell me the truth.
1: Well, Dr. Lake, why are people not being taught this? Is People don't understand uh, what you're talking about here. They're, they're not, they don't understand prophecy. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to uh, get into the book of Revelations to that. Uh, too much. Uh, why is it that they don't talk more about it?
2: I think because it doesn't put bodies in seats. You know, that's the whole marketing thing. You know, yeah. I, I've had years uh, as, as an as an academician where I would have my circuit of all these churches every year. I would go and speak at and everything, and I would deal with everything but end time prophecy because I didn't until I wrote this book. i never really had me deal with it. Did you? And so you know you already have a circuit of of maybe let's say a hundred ministries that you always go to brother when I wrote this book two asked me to come and teach from it yeah out of a hundred because you don't want to upset the saints you don't want to you don't want to offend anybody you don't want to you know don't rock the boat well you know the, the boat's already sinking you just don't realize it yeah that what's, what's going to catch fire in the body of Christ is when we begin to, to break what I call the techno-sorcery slumber of Babylon, and that everything and half, half the stuff in the church is about putting you to sleep, yeah. in, in the modern church. Everything in the world is about putting you spiritually to sleep.
0: Yeah.
2: And we, we, we've got to break those things off and return back to the altar, return back to prayer, uh, return back to really walking with God the way that we're supposed to. when we do, we're going to start seeing The fire of God returned to the people of God.
1: Page 333, 333 of the book here, it's titled Family Covenant and Training, a portion of it. You say our traditions have reduced the Old Testament to a group of children's stories of miracles that God no longer performs today. Then we expect our children to believe in the story of Jesus presented in the New Testament, it all, <clears throat> all at one book, anchored by one God. As the book of Revelation unfolds before our very eyes, this wonderful, amazing God will show His wonders on, this, on the earth again. We need to go back to the Word of God and allow it to become the ultimate reference book in our lives. Well, I say we can't do any better than to point people to the Word on anything.
2: Well, oh, absolutely. And, and to quit dividing up the Word of God, it's one book written by one God. Now, he used more than one person, but it's 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 a revelation. It is a special revelation from God that he gave through all these these men that were walking with him. And there's an artificial division between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, in, in fact, most believers today never even go into the Old Testament. But let's look back at the book of Acts. All they had was the Old Testament the truth of who Jesus was and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Roman Empire couldn't stop them. It is time for us to return back to the whole book and realize that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and that and that he is still a God of miracles. He is still a God who wants to walk with us. He's a God who wants to to show himself powerful to but as those that take their covenant with him seriously. Yeah. And so it's not something you do on the weekend. It's something that you do 24-7. Page
1: 339 of the book. You make a really good statement here. Make a couple of good ones with you. Here's one that says, Truth loves examination while lies resist its very ter- every turn. Careful examination brings each subject into the light of the day. We live in a time of great deception, and to me anyways, what's going on in our world. And if you do speak the truth, you are act like you're odd, or you're lying, and when it's truth. Oh yeah.
2: Uh, I've got a friend that coined the term, the truth is treason in a in the, in the nation of lies. And we, we, we've, got to, we've got to be able to speak the truth, and do it in love, and we also got to do what I, what I call avoiding theological soundbites you you ever, you know, whether it's a preacher or somebody in the pew and you ask them a question, they give you this real high-sounding theological soundbite. No scripture reference, no depth to it, and if you really pin them down, they can't even explain it. It's just, it's cotton candy. I would rather have somebody sit down and say, Mike, uh, let's take the afternoon, let's start examining scripture. You really want to see what I believe? Let's open up the Word of God, and I'm going to show you step-by-step step from the Word where I got what I got. Mm-hmm. That individual... I respect. And guys, it's not just preachers that are called to do this. Every single one of us should have that basic operating knowledge of the Word of God, that we can show the reason of the hope that is within us, in season and out of season, regardless of what's going on in our life. God has called us to that level. But when when we see the pablum that's being passed around in, in pulpits today, having that level of truth is very inconvenient for those behind the pulpit.
1: Now, you also make a statement here that about this generation longs for more. You say the current generation is waking up to realize the complete failure of materialism. That's a good thing, um, and with this will bring some real change, won't it?
2: It will, and you know, I, I think we've got almost 400 podcasts. I've got probably two or 3,000 MP3 sermons that I've uploaded to the Internet. And what I have a, a found about the remnant, brother, when they wake up, they're like a hungry teenage boy that finds the refrigerator. They will empty it every single day. Yeah. And I, I've had people say, listen, uh, I, I found you guys a month and a half ago. I've already went through all 400 podcasts. That's the type of hunger that we're going to see in the remnant. They, they have this, this it, it will not be satisfied because they feel like they've got so much catching up to do. And the word of God is coming alive to them that they just can't get enough. And they're, they're turning off the TV as far as the world program is going, and they're getting back into the Word, getting back into the teaching of God's Word, and they're beginning to come alive. And I'm seeing that more every single day.
1: Do you think that uh, there will be a great awakening again like we've had before, or will it be in a different form this time as we near the end?
2: I think it'll be in a different form. In Isaiah, there's a scripture where he talks about that. Uh, there's a great darkness that covers the earth like never before. Well, that's kind of where we're heading. But after he says it he says, "But listen, your light has come." And Historically, there's ebbs and flows. It's like when the church goes to sleep, evil rises, and when the church wakes up, evil you know goes down. I, I think the last conflict that there, there's going to be, uh, they're going to be on even keel. That the evil's going to be very high in the earth, but so's the power of God. And so it's going to be the ultimate uh, confrontation, if you will. And there's going to be this delineation line that either you're walking with God and God's moving in your life or you're serving the enemy. And there's going to be no gray area in between before this conflict is over.
1: No. Well, folks, today we've been talking about the Shinar Directive, Preparing for the Way of the Sun of Perdition with Dr. Michael Lake. Now, Dr. Lake, we know that they can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other places like that uh, to find out more about the book. But if they wanted to find out more about you, uh, find you know, listen to your podcast, uh, maybe other books you've written, what would they need to do now? Again, tell them.
2: KingdomIntelligenceBriefing.com Uh, We have all of our information there, as well as even college courses that I have taught on spiritual warfare, how to hear the voice of God, understanding covenant faith. They're all there and available.
1: All right. Well, we sure do appreciate you being with us today here on Crosspoint.
2: It's been a real pleasure.
1: Good interview today, folks. You know, books like this, again, they're connected all to the stories of the book in my other hand, The Holy Bible. Folks, we need to know books like this that are written, telling us things about the Bible, what the Bible tells us, but always, like we said, go back to God's Word. Check it out. It works every time, and that's what people like Dr. Michael Lake does. Never forget that the Word of God is the very essence of life, and for everybody that will follow it, it will show you what every day holds for you. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. and Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor.
0: Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Osho, Missouri 64850, or by email crosspoint at KNEO.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online.
1: Are you walking in everything God has for you? Hi, I'm Pastor Gary Culp and I'd like to invite you to check out the Exceedingly Abundant Ministries podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. This 30-minute weekly Bible study will give you time to grow spiritually and get to know God and His Word on a deeper level. God has more in store for you than you ever realized. Listen to Exceedingly Abundant Ministries today and learn about how God can do more with your life than you ever imagined.
2: Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.